0: Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauly and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host to this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Without further ado, our guest this week. Everyone has a dream, and sometimes it takes some time to fulfill that dream, but it's imperative to ensure that you're constantly putting yourself in a position to achieve the dream and long-term goals. Our next guest did just that, so I'm excited to have Mark Dyer, CEO of Tamar Sales University. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Great to be with you. Mark, very excited to talk about your career journey and hearing about your dream coming true with the start of Tamar Sales University. And let's kick it off from the start. You grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. And when did the dream of working in sports really start becoming a reality? I could tell you almost
1: exactly. My, uh, my sister's five years older than me. And we checked her into the University of Tennessee in Knoxville as a freshman. In the fall of 1971, that gives you an idea of just what a fossil I am, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I was able to get a ticket to the Tennessee's home opener against Cal Santa Barbara, which they gave up football a few years after that, but it was, um, it was an eye-opening experience, uh, never been in a big stadium uh, like that, and I made my... Parents take me to the bookstore, and I got everything orange and Tennessee on it that they could afford. And I made up my mind that weekend that's where I was going to school. I'd always loved sports, and I wanted to work in the sports business. I was a horrendous athlete, so kind of made up my mind then I was going to work in the athletic department and find my way to do that. And I was 12 years old at the time.
0: Just say hey, it's crazy that, you know, back, you know, almost 50 years ago, that dream and now it's become a ra- reality. And, you know, it's interesting when you're 12 years old, you already decided you, you, hey, this I'm gone to the University of Tennessee. And, and you end up going to Tennessee and you receive a degree in communications. So as you're going through school, what did you think you wanted to do coming out of school? Did that change while you're you're going to the campus there? You know, it kind of did, uh, Travis. You know, I was.
1: Uh, fortunate enough to be the first freshman that um, the sports information office ever hired as a student assistant. And I started working on that right around that 12 year old mark. And every time I'd go up to a game, I'd go by and see Haywood Harris and Bud Ford who the a longtime SID and assistant uh, SID. And uh, I had, I had worked the, uh, the the beat writer for Tennessee at the Nashville Tennessee and to, uh, to a, Introduced me to, and um, I was just persistent. I was, I was not going to take no for an answer, and they did hire me, and I worked there uh, for $2 an hour uh, after class every day, and um, just met so many people in the college sports industry that a lot of those relationships are still alive and well today.
0: You know, it's crazy to think $2 an hour, you know, what, uh, as you think about now and, and, you know, I always kind of use the joke, like when I was an intern, I didn't even get paid and now it's like unheard of, but what do you think about, you know, kind of that bringing from $2 an hour to now? Travis,
1: if I could have afforded it, I would have paid them $2 an hour. <laughs> um, <Nope. clears throat> you know, that, that was just such an unbelievable opportunity you know, my freshman year was the last year Bill Battle was a head football coach, and Bill was and always has been kind of a hero to me. And um, you know, my life with Bill kind of came full full circle many years later when I was at IMG. I received the Bill Battle Entrepreneurship Award um, there that was uh, bestowed by IMG College. Uh, my old friend and colleague Ben Sutton, when he's president of IMG, and we uh, we received that for our entrepreneurial work running the business ventures division. Then, but I got to awesome. I got to visit with Bill uh, a lot when uh, uh, CLC reported to me for a time when I was at IMG. But uh, Bill got fired, and it ended up making him a multimillionaire because a few years later he started CLC and um, and went on to great glory. Uh, uh, he and Pat and Mike, his sons starting and uh, building that company. And then John Majors was hired as the head football coach at Tennessee that year. And, um, you know, certainly I was around him, got to know him and he was a real icon uh, uh, for Tennessee and in college football. He just won a national championship, but to go back to fully answer your question on majoring in communications, you um, You know, I I started out kind of as a sports writer in in high school and all that. I figured out kind of once I got towards the end of my college stay, I probably should have majored in business. But by then, I thought it was too late. I had managed to get through uh, college without having to take one single math class, which is probably impossible today.
0: As you say, yeah.
1: uh, fancy math, advanced math always gave me the heebie jeebies. So
0: um,
1: I'm really good at adding, uh, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. But after that, it gets tough for me. Yeah, when but you start uh, throwing
0: letters into it, it's just a different ballgame. Yeah, I, I, <laughs>
1: letters and numbers don't work for me. So, yeah. but, um, but I was determined when I graduated to find myself into the business side of sports. And it took a little while, but I did that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you, you end up starting your career, Mark, with host communications which really was your first insight into that college sports space. And so walk us through that time. Like, what did that job entail? What was that day-to-day? And, and ultimately, what were some key learnings?
1: So, um, you know, I started out on the production side of the sports business. Like I say, writing, which you did a ton of when you were uh, in the sports uh, publicity office there as a student at Tennessee. And I actually got a, uh, got a job with host as a publishing guy. I did the game programs for University of Kentucky, the NCAA basketball tournament. Um Jim host was was and is a giant. I was so fortunate to to get a job with them and and um you know Jim called me in about you know I only stayed there one year and then I went back to Knoxville to work for John Ward the rights holder but about 6 months into my time in Lexington the first time around um Jim called me in and said um the NCAA wants us to create a radio show uh, on college sports. It's going to be a weekly show that's going to be at the CBS radio network. And, you know, we want you to produce it, which I had never done anything remotely close to that before. But Jim was ahead of his time. He had a full production studio there at, um, at host communications. And I got to work with the great Kaywood Ledford, the longtime voice of the Kentucky Wildcats, who was, uh, our voice talent on that show, we called it college sports USA. And here I am about 22 years old getting to do stuff like that. So, um, um, you know, my first year with uh, host communications and, you know, Jim is still alive and well and kicking today. And, you know, of course you're going to get into it later, but Kentucky was my first Tamar's first client in the outbound ticket sales industry. Um, and, um, I get to talk to Jim regularly now. I've had him speak to our sales team there. He's got a great book out. If anyone's interested where college sports marketing came from, I would recommend they get Jim Host's book.
0: Nice. No, that's absolutely. You know, Mark, I I too was a communications major and, you know, same type of thing, right? You're in your junior, senior year and realize, I probably, I don't know if I necessarily want to do communications, but it's too late to change now. But as you look back at that time, not only from, your college time in communications, but your first opportunity in the communications college space. What are some key learnings you took from that that you can certainly apply to your business?
1: Well, you know, Travis, I in hindsight, I think it was a real benefit for me to learn the production side of, of radio, print, television, because when I went to Knoxville and started working for John Ward, and it's kind of a hybrid role they had me in the first couple of years where I was doing quite a bit of production um, for uh, the athletics department. A lot of, we were doing some pretty innovative uh, television stuff. And so I, I think uh, as far as learning to become a marketer and a salesperson, which there is a distinction between those two disciplines, it helped me greatly to learn the production yep. uh, side of things. And, and um, you know, a, a lot of times in sponsorship, uh, sales, especially in those days, uh, and, and I think probably now more than ever because you have the technology platforms that we never even dreamed would exist uh, back in those days. I mean, everything was pretty much about radio, um, play by play, uh, it, at that time in the in the eighties. Um, I was fortunate enough to to get Tennessee and host into the uh, pay per view college football pay-per-view TV business in the late eighties because there was still a window. Uh, all that's long since been acquired by ESPN. But in those days there was a window where you could do a couple had some of
0: opportunity.
1: pay-per-view games. Um, and, um, about that time is when host got the rights to Tennessee in, in around 87 or 88 and I became the general manager. So I kind of came full circle on that deal reunited with Jim and host communications and, and, um, we we had an opportunity to expand the company, get other schools, and and I I was fortunate enough to be in the middle of
0: all that. No, that's awesome. And you, know, after a successful, a few successful years in the sports marketing space, you took you took a little bit of a detour and maybe a little bit of a risk uh, as you really kicked off your entrepreneurial mindset. You opened up NASCAR cafes around the country. You ultimately end up meeting your wife uh, while that while in that business, but certainly. Everybody knows that the restaurant business is just a different beast. What were some key learnings from your time, you know, in that restaurant business and in that space in your entrepreneurial career mindset?
1: Yeah, you know, you have times in your career where you've had a good run in a particular situation and it's time to make a move. It was definitely time for me to make a move. I was living in, in Dallas. Um, I had uh, two kids that were very young from previous marriage that we're going to be living in Virginia. And I had uh, two friends that had gotten the rights to do the NASCAR version of Hard Rock Cafe. And uh, this would have been around 95, 96. So I moved to Knoxville uh, to partner up with those guys. Uh, I I saw it as kind of a marriage of sports and um, the themed restaurant business uh, for me. And, uh, you know, I'd been around NASCAR races as a kid growing up in Nashville. I was a fan of the sport. And um, so we, uh, we started that chain and and uh, had a lot of fun. It was the mid to late 90s, Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon, had, their yeah. rivalry had blossomed and the sport was really growing, doing well. And um, we had a lot of fun. The problem was those big themed restaurant concepts kind of played out after a period of time. This was a time when Hard Rock was killing it. Planet Hollywood came along. And we were kind of the NASCAR version of that big concept, big square footage um, properties. Uh, And I ended up, my wife and I ended up um, owning the one in Las Vegas. And uh, I tell you what I learned about that business is to be on top of the numbers and be on top of the personnel situation. Because that business can get away from you in a heartbeat. Very quickly. You have to execute every day you need to be close to your employees but you also need to be close to the customers and um, you know i never let i never let complaint emails go through anybody in inter, any inter, intermediaries i answered every one of them so i could find out where the problems were because guess what your people typically aren't going to tell you uh, the bad things right. and where where there's problems so i learned a lot in that business that i still apply today
0: no, absolutely. And, and Mark, you end up transitioning that experience, the entrepreneurial mindset into actually motorsports uh, motorsports with NASCAR and then Motorsports Authentics. And so after you spent five years in that world, what were some of the key projects that you were working on now with NASCAR and, and Motorsport Authentics?
1: Well, um, you know, I went I went to NASCAR because our business in Vegas was going well, but I knew that we were going to want to sell it. Uh, uh, pretty as soon as we could because the, the revenue um, picture on those things would start out at a certain level and then would kind of stair-step down. Uh, so in, in uh, late '02, I um, um, got asked if I would meet, uh, you know, I knew Brian France and George Pine, who was the head of licensing at the time. And Brian, of course, was the president of NASCAR as a third generation France. And I had I had developed a good relationship with them as we were a licensee. And um, I was living in Vegas, and they were in Florida, and, and uh, they said, hey, we'd like to meet. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Dallas next week. So they flew out to Dallas, and we went to the Palm for lunch. And uh, after about a two-hour lunch, they had me pretty much talked into going to taking over the Charlotte division of NASCAR. And, um, um, you know, that was a great uh, time. Uh, for my wife, Tammy, and I, we we got a house on Lake Norman, got to be friends with a lot of the drivers and people in the industry. Jimmy Johnson is, is you know, one of the great relationships we have and still have. Today, I don't get to see Jimmy uh, very much because he's in his world and I'm in mine. But um, yeah, we had a great run there. Probably the two biggest things that I'm proudest of during that time is um, I had the idea to put together the NASCAR hall of fame. And we conducted a, a kind of a, a contest between five cities and it kind of boiled down to Charlotte and Atlanta and Charlotte put together the best overall proposal and financial plan uh, to ensure the longevity of the hall. And uh, uh, I, I think has been several billion dollars of investment in that area in downtown Charlotte that has grown from, um, from that project. The other thing I was able to contribute to was the creation of the playoff system, which has evolved in some, in some great ways, but um, uh, it started out as a chase for the Nextel Cup. And, um, um, you know, I kind of took that idea that a a guy that worked in my division and I kind of hatched out on a flight back from a sales call one day and that became the playoff. And, and actually uh, one of the great compliments to that concept was the PGA Tour took that concept and created what they have today. So those were probably two highlights of my time in NASCAR.
0: That that are still holding true and and, and holding the standard. So obviously, huge kudos to that and congrats. And, you know, along those lines, you you mentioned the name George Pine. And in this business, we talk a lot about the value of mentorship and, and always working for the right people. And you had a gentleman in George that recruited you to NASCAR And then ultimately to IMG, which we'll dive into that. But what do you feel like George did to be such a good mentor to you and many others?
1: You know, Travis, a great question. I'm glad you asked it because, um, you know, when you're growing in your career, not all mentors are people that are older than you. I'm I'm several years older than George. But, um, you know, I saw early on, I mean, this guy, he started out as a licensing guy for us um, at NASCAR, when we started NASCAR cafe, before I know it, he's running licensing before I know it, he's the first non-family member to be, uh, given the, the president title and to sit on the board of directors. And, uh, and then, uh, IMG made him an offer. He couldn't refuse to, uh, to come run a good part of that worldwide company. And so, um, I've had the great pleasure of, of we're, we're close personal friends. I've been able to watch his kids grow up. His two sons have played college football. Uh, one, uh, Brendan his his career is, is ended. He, um, uh, went to Brown university graduated there and then played his last year at Buffalo and his son drew is a quarterback on the Notre Dame team, uh, who'll be uh, vying for the starting role, uh, next fall. So, uh, so George and his wife Helene are very dear to us and, and, uh, four great kids. Uh, so I learned, uh, on the business side, George is the greatest value creator. I call him the bloodhound. He, um, he's got a great sense of, of seeing where value can be created. Uh, he did that at NASCAR. He did that at IMG. Now he has the Bruin, um, company where he, um, uh, Invests in behalf of himself and his investors in uh, a lot of different sports properties. He's done a terrific job at it. You know, George is George is one of the titans of um, of American uh, the American sports world. But he's uh, he has very little ego. He's a down to earth person. Relationships are very important to him. Uh, you know, we talk a lot. Uh, and we very rarely talk a lot about business. We do a little, but it's really about family and, and, uh, what's going on with our mutual friends and all those things. So George has been a great mentor. Um, Jim host has uh, a guy named Chuck Jarvie, who uh, was part of host communications, uh, in the last few years before I left there in the, in the nineties, Chuck's a former, um, um, Uh, Procter & Gamble guy, ran Dr. Pepper, came in the sports world with GE Capital. Um, So I've been fortunate to, to have some great mentors.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Mark Dyer, CEO of Tamar Sales University. And Mark, you transitioned to IMG, where you ended up spending eight years as part of the executive team that spearheaded IMG's entry into college sports that eventually led to the merger with Learfield, creating the largest college sports marketing company in the world. And so walk us through that time of your career.
1: Travis, you know, it's funny. I I always have a I always have a saying. I have a lot of corny sayings. My, my uh, colleagues at Tamar will tell you that. And everybody I've ever worked with Lee. As a matter of fact, they gave me a book of my sayings when I left host in the mid nineties. I wish I That's could awesome. find that thing.
0: I was going to say that'd be a um, great book to read.
1: One of my sayings is bloom where you're planted. So, um, so I go to IMG. I had had a great run in the NASCAR world, but that, that world was changing. And I didn't, I didn't see a place for myself moving forward there. So I went, I went to IMG, and George and I were going to start a new racing series, or we were looking hard at that. And uh, actually, that idea uh, George has gone ahead and done with Ray Evernham, who was the legendary crew chief for Jeff Gordon and car owner, and just a super smart guy. And uh, they got Tony Stewart involved, but uh, in, um, 2007 or eight, whenever it was, I went to IMG. I spent a year working on this series and came to the conclusion that, you know, motorsports interest at the time was kind of on the wane and, and it was going to be pretty capital intensive the way I thought we wanted to do this. So I basically went and George told him, I thought we needed to shelve the, the project and he agreed at the same time. Uh, he was, um, busy building a college sports beachhead for um, for IMG and um, he had bought bill battles CLC company. He had bought the host communications company. And then what really gave IMG critical mass was the purchase of uh, Ben Sutton's ISP company. As part of the deal, Ben came on as as president, excuse me, and of IMG College and Ben, uh, who i had known back when he was, when we were high flying at host and he was starting his company, um, Ben asked me to uh, head up a new entrepreneurial wing that we call Business Ventures. And and I recruited Kim Parsons out of the accounting group to kind of be my right hand. Uh, they didn't let me call her COO, but that's what she functioned as. And uh, we built that business into um, a very substantial um, wing of um, IMG college. the biggest thing we did was we, we got IMG in the outbound ticket sales business in January of 2011 and Learfield wanted to buy into that and we sold them 50% interest and created a joint venture that we called IMG Learfield Ticket Solutions from 2012 till the time the two companies merged. They merged uh, after I left. Um, but uh, we had a really good run there had a lot of fun. Um, uh, with Ben and George and Tony Crispino, who is George's uh, right hand and Roger Vandersnake, who's now with the Colts and some, some other great people. We had a really, really good run during that time.
0: You know, and, and Mark, as you're building this impressive, impressive vertical out, certainly challenges and obstacles are going to come across, you know, as you build anything out. And so as along those lines, what is your advice to listeners on being able to just overcome obstacles and keep pushing ahead.
1: You know, I'm a, I'm probably a pretty good startup guy. Um, I'm not sure I'm the guy that you would, uh, you would pick out of a police lineup to take a (laughs) big company and make it bigger. Uh, I can't stand bureaucracy. Um, So, you know, Chuck Jarvie taught me one of my mentors I mentioned earlier he taught me in startups, don't ever let your expenses get too far in front of your revenue. And I always remembered that. And uh, I think that's why we've been successful in startups in the past is, um, you know, I'm not a I, I, I appreciate and value and we use technology in our business. But I'm not a I'm not a guy that chases technology. For, for one thing, for my for my appetite, it's way too expensive and, and uh, front end and startup costs. There's a lot of technology. Uh, companies out there that have great technology and have zero revenue. And I've always been kind of uh, partial to revenue. So um, uh, number one, number one rule on startups is don't get too big. Uh, Don't get committed to too many expenses because I've learned that expenses are real. Revenue might or might not be real, but I guarantee you when you commit to an expense, somebody's want to get paid, whether it's an employee whether it's a contractor is going to send you an invoice, so always, always be careful about getting too grandiose on the cost side and staffing up too quickly. I'd rather be a person short than a person too heavy in my staffing, especially with a startup.
0: Yep, no, that that, that definitely makes sense. And you, know, after building such a great enterprise with IMG, you it, it was time for you to just go on your own, and so. The, to the launch of Tamar Sales University. So let's, th- let's dive into that. First, how did the name come about?
1: Easy. My wife's name's Tammy and I'm Mark. Um, you know, I always loved two-syllable names. Elvis was a pretty good name, pretty good brand, <laughs> right? Um, you may not, you may not uh, remember it or be aware of it, but there was a great um, college sports TV syndication company called Raycom. Yep, back in the day, and it was um, it was Rick and D Ray that owned it and operated it, and they were pioneers in TV syndication, like ACC games of the week, and you know over-the-air distribution even before cable <clears throat> came along and was a factor. So they would take some like the ACC and uh, go contract with over-the-air TV stations throughout that region. They'd have a game of the week, so. Um, uh, so that's where Raycom came from. So I was kind of inspired by Raycom, a real concise, two-syllable word. So um, Tammy and I had messed around with the word Tamar when we had a little horse ranch in Texas. We called it the Tamar Ranch, and we bought No. 05 and had a logo done up and and um, put it on belt buckles, I guess, and stuff like that. So nice. I was going to start Tamar Um Back then, when we were still living in Las Vegas, before I took the, um, the NASCAR opportunity, that was really back in, you 01 and, and all that. And I was going to start to do some radio syndication and different things. But that's when the NASCAR opportunity came along. So I, I put Tamar on the shelf and, and didn't dust it back off until uh, uh, three or four years ago. And um, so that's I think that's a, a good lesson for everybody. You might have a great idea or you might have a concept. Sometimes it's not time for it, but don't ever give up on it. Especially, you know, my dream was to own my own company. I wanted to experience what the gym hosts of the world did and Ben Sutton's and the and the Bill Battles. It just took me a long time to for the timing to be right. And um, I guess at the time, Travis, I was in my late 50s. I said, you know, it's kind of now or never. I'm in good health. Um, I've uh, I've learned a lot. I'm a person who believes you try to get smarter every day until the day you're you're no longer around. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, we had a you know, I it took me a quite a while to get Tamar truly up and running. And really, June 3rd, 2019 is our official birthday, because that's when I exited the uh, elevate on campus campus. Uh, partnership and reconstituted tamar and um you know since then two and a half years later we'll be three in uh, june uh, we now work with 13 schools and outbound ticket sales uh, uh three of those schools we also work with a multimedia um sponsorship and um we're very proud of where we are but we're very hungry to keep serving our current clients and we want to add more in a in a good strategic way that makes sense so that we can continue to execute the business. Cause that's why I think we're the fastest growing company in the space is because, you know, we're not, look, we're not chasing some number of schools, but if we focus on, you know, our, our mantra is people planning and execution. If we focus um, on, on those, on those basics and our mission statement is clients and colleagues, we want to serve our client schools. We want to serve the people that that come with us uh, and kind of get on this journey and get on this ride with us. We feel a real responsibility to the folks that we, I don't like the word employee very much. I use it every now and then. Yep. Um, but I, I really like the word colleagues. So clients and colleagues is what we're all about.
0: No, absolutely, and, and to your point, Mark, you, you guys have done a great job. You, you previously mentioned your first client was University of Kentucky. You've grown that business to to thirteen now already, and so now owning and running Tamar Sales University for two and a half years, going to hit you know here in just a couple short months the three year mark. Do you feel like that long term dream has now become a reality for you?
1: Um. Yes and no. Um, you know, because I don't think you've ever got it made, uh, no matter what you're talking about. Um, you know, I'm 63. I've, I'm, I'm back into short distance triathlon training after a two year hiatus during the, during the pandemic. And, um, uh, and, and so I always think there's something to shoot for in yep. your personal life and your professional life. Um, Hey, we, you know, the, the, the bigger we get, the uh, the more of a challenge it it remains to serve our clients that have been with us from the beginning, like Kentucky, uh, you know, like Georgia State and LSU, and all the ones that have come um, after them. You know, uh, I'm not interested in churning through a lot of schools because guess what? That's going to catch up with you down the road. Right. If uh, if a school had a bad experience with you and chose to, to part ways with you. That'll happen to us, but hopefully it'll happen to us because of some personnel change on the school side, not because of something we failed to do. Right. So I don't think you ever have it made. I've never met any, and we're not really that financially motivated. uh, Tammy and I are, um, you know, but you know, money, money helps. Right. Right. Um, but I've never met any, I've got a lot of rich friends. I've never met any of them that said, I've got enough money. <laughs> right. Um, but also some of the unhappiest people I've ever met in my life are very rich people. So that's, you know, that's not an end all and be all. Uh, but yeah, we want to, we're not making a lot of money right now, but we are profitable. Um, we think we're giving the schools a tremendous deal. We think we've influenced the deals that our competitors give their schools. You know, and I think in a in a in an indirect way, we're serving the industry that way, too. You know, I've been in this business a long time. I've seen a lot of financial models. We work on a flat fee basis because my belief is in a revenue share. Somebody's getting a raw deal, either the school or the or the outside contractor. Uh, We work on a cost plus flat fee basis. We like to be in a bonus earning position. We haven't even broached that subject the last two years with our schools because they've been in the middle of a pandemic and their yeah. revenues have been under tremendous pressure. So, um, uh, we think our model, uh, well, we know it's been embraced by our schools. They've told, uh, their friends and, you know, I don't have a budget to, to, you know, paste ads all over, uh, publications and, you know, you know, the usual suspects and, and, um, and so word of mouth, is, is our best advertising and, and having happy clients.
0: And that's, I mean, that's the key to anything, right? In any sales position is that long-term partnership, not focused on short-term, but but long-term. And, you know, as, as you think about that, you know, uh, myself and all the listeners are certainly excited to see what Tamar continues to do. You know, quickly on the, the personal end, Mark, you mentioned triathlons. How many have you completed?
1: Um. Uh, 35 or 40 over the last seven or eight years, but the vast majority of those are sprints. So those are, uh, hour, 20 to hour and a half races. Those are swims of about three, 400 yards or meters. It's a bike of about 12 to 16 miles. and It's almost always a 5k run at
0: the end. Um, so uh, Along but those, I, personally, I, I've done one sprint one and it was the hardest yeah. thing I've ever done in my life. So I don't think you can just slide that under the rug. <laughs> those are, that's an impressive feat to do 35 or 40 of them over the last seven, eight years.
1: Well, in the triathlon world, you know, the real he men and and, uh, uh, and women uh, that excel are, are, you know, iron man yep. uh, veterans, which, you know, those distances are, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a full marathon run. Now that's a day's work yeah. right there. So compared to that, my thing is child's play. Uh, my thing is I'd like to remain competitive into my seventies, you know, God willing and, yeah, uh, and what the hell. So, you know, running puts a lot of stress on the body. Uh, and so, uh, and I'm a, um, I'm a terrible swimmer form wise and, and time wise, speed wise. So uh, I don't get hurt too bad, uh, in the swim and these sprints. So that's my distance and that's what yep. I'll stick to.
0: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mark, this has been great. You know, as you think back at your entire career, what would you say has been your best memory?
1: Oh gosh. Um, just the people that I've mentioned that have been a very important to me. Um, you know, in our current company, Kim Parsons, uh, my COO that was with me every step of the way at IMG College came, came with me to Tamar when it was uh, just an idea. Um, she's very accomplished. She has a Wake Forest MBA. She's done lots of private equity work. Uh, she's incredibly buttoned up with our uh, finances, our legal, our HR contracts, You name it. And then Joe Rickert,
0: um,
1: that I was able to recruit from the Atlanta Hawks, who's our senior vice president over our field operation, started out running our Kentucky project. He and his wife, Caitlin, are expecting their second child here soon. Uh, They live in Lexington, they're based there. Uh, Yeah, I'm so thankful for for, for them and the other key people that have come with us. and, And just throughout my career, it's all about people and relationships. You know, I've got a I've got a buddy, Mike Boykin, who started his own company with Greg Bush uh, called Bespoke uh, Marketing in Charlotte. Uh, you know, Mike and I were uh, together back there in the wars of hosts back in the in the late 80s, early 90s. He and I talked every week, um, man, those relationships. And one of the things I try to tell our young people is with with things like LinkedIn and Twitter. And with the technology app, there's no excuse not to stay in touch with people that are important to you, people that are in your network. Yep. Number one, it's the right thing to do, uh, and it's healthy to have relationships. Number two, it's really good for business because yep. there's not a, there's hardly a day or week goes by when, when something comes up uh, that someone in my network, uh, I can be helpful to them or they can be helpful to me. Right. happens all the
0: time. Yep. No, absolutely. And it starts and stops with people. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And Mark, to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this. Let's do it. What was the last item you completed on your bucket list?
1: You know, I'm not formally done a bucket list yet. Um, uh, because I'm so focused on, on, uh, on Tamar. And you know, I think, I think a bucket list would probably be some, some travel stuff. I love, I love Europe. I love England in particular, but um, you know, my bucket list has been more in competition uh, competition performance. So yeah, uh, I finally won a triathlon in my age group uh, about three or four years ago. So that's, that's probably the last item there. And the next one's going to be to win one again, which will probably have to wait till I'm in the 65, 69 age group <laughs> next year. But that's the answer to that one.
0: Nice. Congratulations. And, and what's your favorite item you've purchased in the past year?
1: Now, this is going to be a little gross, Travis. So I, I apologize <laughs> to your listeners, but um, I've always had sinus problems. And I, I finally broke down and went to an ENT uh, here locally um, in the last few months. And they put me on a sinus rinse that you can uh, get at your local CVS. And let me tell you, it makes sense, too. I'm not going to describe it because it is a little off-putting, but, um, you know, not some big fancy gift or something I bought for myself, but uh, I strongly recommend the sinus rinse.
0: Yeah, as you say, if you feel better, that's half the battle. And and finally, if you could choose two people to have dinner with, who would they be?
1: All right, I'm going to give you living and dead categories, okay? Okay. Perfect. I'm going to go with Mark Cuban and Jeff Bezos on the the living side, or George W. Bush and Clinton together, because I think they've developed a great relationship and they have great perspective on what's going on in our country now. Uh, You know, from a deceased standpoint, certainly Abraham Lincoln and James Madison would love to would love to be able to tell them what's going on in the country now and get their perspective on it, because they're two key figures in uh, this amazing experiment called America and, um, and, and, um, you know, where it came from and, and, and where it is today.
0: No, it's great. I'd love to be the server in those dinners. And so what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Well, um, you know, I would, I would say starting out, uh, you need to figure out what you stand for. Um, uh, because, um, it, the old Aaron Tippin country song, and I'm from music city, USA, so I can quote country songs, the old Aaron Tippin, uh, Tippin song, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Uh, you need to have a strong moral ethical compass. That doesn't mean necessarily you got to be of a particular religion. Although I, uh, I am, and, uh, and I'm a very imperfect Christian, but, um, you need to have something you believe in. You, you yep. need to have a strong, I think, what I say, moral, ethical compass because that needs to guide you in your personal life and your in your business. Uh, that's one. Two is, I think sometimes we think that education stops when we graduate from college or high school or whatever the level of education we completed. That, that couldn't be more wrong. Nope. Uh, I spend a good hour and a half, two hours every morning trying to get smarter on my industry, on the world, on what's going on in the United States where I live and love. Um, So you need to try to get smarter every day. You need to be intellectually curious. You need to read books. Uh, You know, I read a lot of different websites and newspapers every day. So that's two. Third is be aggressive. Go for it. Uh, You know, it's the old inertia. Um, principle. Bodies that are at rest tend to stay at rest. Bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. Be aggressive. Uh, We don't hire anyone in our company that doesn't do an aggressive follow-up after a Zoom interview
2: uh,
1: or a phone interview. Be aggressive. If you're in a sales business and you're not aggressive, guess what? You're (laughs) in trouble. That doesn't mean everybody's got the same personality. You know, I think sales is a very prestigious profession. I don't like the used car lot uh, caricature nope. of sales. There are those type of salespeople out there, but those are people that rely on tricks and, and uh, de- deception. And uh, I can't stand that because mm-hmm. go back to that ethical um, compass that you got to have. I happen to think nothing happens in our country and our economy without somebody selling something first.
0: Yep. No, I completely agree. You know, to your, to your point on advice there, you know, you've got to figure out what you're standing for. Why are you coming into to work every day? Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, I, I love it. Always be learning, right? It never stops. And, and being aggressive and, you know, in sales in general, if you don't ask for the sale, you're never going to get it. So Mark, you've had such a distinguished career. I appreciate what you've done for the business. Thank you so much for your time and expertise today.
1: Travis, I hope I'm just getting started. Uh, cause we got a lot we want to accomplish with Tamar starting, uh, Today's a company holiday uh, in celebration of the tremendous life and legacy of Martin Luther King. And tomorrow we're going to get right back after it and, and try to focus on clients and colleagues.
0: Absolutely. Well, again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. We'll be back with, next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.